0: Okay, good evening everyone. Welcome to our evening Dhamma. Tonight we're looking at right view. No, right which one are we on? Right action. Tonight we're looking at right action. Samma Kamanta. And so again we have to separate between the preliminary path the mundane path the path that we're all following when we do our meditation and the noble path which is the moment where you're actually right where you're actually in the right on the right path So the the, the, as with all the factors it's it's generally described in terms of the mundane path and the idea with all of this is to understand to help us understand how we get to the noble path and just because you're not killing or stealing or or uh cheating doesn't mean you're on the noble path right but if you refrain from all kinds of wrong action that's what will lead you, that's part of what will lead you to the Noble Path this is the point with the talking about the preliminary path and it's the point of, of actually describing the eightfold Noble Path because at the moment it seems kind of silly to say well, you're right action, you're not killing or stealing or cheating, well of course you're not when I mean, you're in a meditative state, your mind is so fixed you couldn't Kill or lie, or you know, you couldn't kill or lie or do anything bad. But it's about how we get there. So, in terms of the mundane path, there are three factors. For speech, there were four, for action, there are three not killing, not stealing, and not committing adultery, or what we call sexual misconduct, which means uh, cheating, really, or 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 working with someone else to cheat on on their partner. Any kind of romantic en- engagement that is uh, that requires permission but doesn't get it. That is betraying someone's trust. So these three, it's quite simple. You know, no killing. No stealing. And no cheating. Seems a little too simple, right? Can't be that simple. And again, these are the indicators. They're like signposts or fence posts in a way, because the fence still has to be filled in. But these give you a marker. If you're killing, you're outside of the noble path. You're you're not going to get to the noble. Not that you're outside. of your you're not going to get to the noble path. You're not on a path that will lead you to the noble path if you're stealing refraining from these things is part of what allows you to concentrate to focus your mind but it's important to note that it's even on the mundane path it's actually not about the action itself when we talk about even when we talk about these things as indicators like oh if you're killing That's a sign that you're not going in the right direction and so on But it's not even about the killing When we talk about right action We're not even talking about the action itself We're talking about the mind's intention To commit the action We're talking about um, curbing that intention So that it doesn't become physical Right? We We are talking about when the intention becomes physical, but the physical act itself isn't important, um, or, or isn't itself important. Why this is important to specify is because, of course, you can kill something without meaning it, meaning without meaning to. You can kill a person without any bad intention. We don't call it killing in Buddhism it's kind of interesting how often this question comes up if you step on an ant someone this morning actually said to me uh, he killed a spider in the bathroom but he didn't mean to and he wasn't clear that it was, in, it was not wrong so it's important to be clear on this that um, it's not about the action it's about the intention leading to the action and so of course this is the first step towards bringing the mind to a pure state is destroying the the most coarse defilements which are the um, actions where our defilements become physical you can have such anger for someone and that's a bad thing but the moment you let it spill over into your action it's gone to a, a, a another level it's categorically different it's now become uh, a physical reality you attack someone even if you just attempt to kill them it's become wrong action in that sense and so technically though it's not how the Buddha describes it but um, for the purposes of our meditation we, for, as Buddhists, we keep these sort of coarse fence posts in mind Yes, killing, stealing, cheating But as meditators, it's, much, it's, it's important that we have a much more refined sense of right action Right action especially, I think In the sense that we try to do nothing With our hands, our feet, our, our bodies that is unmindful you know what about if you stub your toe and you kick the table or you smash the, the chair or you throw it over or you, your computer isn't working and you pick up the monitor and you throw it on the ground that's wrong action you storm around or you or worse you hit someone, you hurt someone right? Torture isn't in the precepts. You can keep the five precepts and be a very nasty person doing lots of very nasty things. Rape. Rape. I think some people would say it breaks the third precept, but either way, it's, it's just a, you know, no matter what, no matter whether it does or not, it's clear that there are these things that are wrong. And as meditators we have a very refined sense of this during the meditation course. You start to see that even turning your body quickly is wrong. Reaching for something quickly out of desire or scratching your face out of aversion is wrong action. You feel pain in adjusting yourself you start to see that even that is wrong. Because it's an in, it's a bad intention become an action, which really does make a difference. If you want to scratch, for example, well, eventually sometimes you do have to scratch. I mean you just can't bear it, right? But when you when you when you uh, train and you can bear with it and you say wanting, wanting, itching, itching. And you know, that's where concentration begins. You ruin your concentration the moment it becomes physical, scratching your face. So meditators begin to become quite careful with their actions when they walk. Mahasi says, they, Mahasi Sayadaw says, they they walk like sick people. It looks like kind of like a. a Uh, a sick ward here because everyone's moving around slowly and very neutral expressions on their faces they're being very careful because they begin to see the, the disturbance that's caused by not being mindful that's caused by acting especially unmindfully And so we should think of this in both ways. On the one hand, we always think about these big, big issues of not killing, not stealing, of course not committing adultery. But as meditators we think of it on a micro scale as well. With everything, it's just like speech, right? With everything you say it should be mindful. Right? It's more difficult to be mindful speaking, it's possible. But with acting, it's uh, much more doable and much more a part of our practice, right? Actually, the Buddha said with both. If you read the Satipatthana Sutta, maybe we'll go through the Satipatthana Sutta eventually. He said when you're speaking or when you're keeping silent, you should be fully comprehending. Walking forward, walking back, reaching, extending your arm, flexing your arm. Eating, drinking, urinating, defecating, everything should be done mindfully. Then you see this difference, the where the the, the defilements, the unwholesome, the, the problematic intentions, they don't break through to become actions. And technically, any time they do break through, it's wrong action. I mean not actually not technically, according to the suttas it doesn't go into that much detail, but from a perspective of the you know the core teaching of the Buddha in an ultimate sense, it's quite clear that it becomes what we might call wrong action. It's called uh I think, where the defiled actions are actions based on defilement. It's the the most coarse type of defilement. So, quite simple. Not easy, but, uh, but simple. That's the teaching on right action. Do we have any questions? Again, questions are all to be asked through our website, and I understand that means you have to log in, but it's a small price to pay. Can you progress by only practicing insight, meditation, no chanting, metta, etc.? Well, progress is a fairly vague word. So we have um, useful and necessary. And there are a lot of things that are useful. There's not so many things that are necessary. So um, if your question were do you need to practice insight meditation to progress, or can you do it simply by chanting and doing metta? Then the answer is no, or no. The answer is you do need to practice insight meditation. Can chanting and metta help? Do they help? Yes, they are useful, helpful. They can be. Um, there are cases. There are potential problems with, like chanting for example, you can get caught up in it and it can actually become a distraction. Metta not so much, if you're actually practicing metta it's pretty much always useful, but if you get caught up in metta it can sidetrack you, it's true, because you take time away from doing insight meditation. So it has to be a little more specific with your question, hopefully that answered it. What is Buddhism's view on playing video games? Well, there's nothing in the scriptures about playing video games I've answered this sort of question before I mean the question of when you kill someone We used to play when I was young Doom, this game where you... it's really pretty awful Uh, And lots of games we played So it's not killing Um, It's an elaborate means of challenging your your reflexes, your hand-eye coordination, your ability to process. So there's actually some potentially good states I would say involved mundane good states, not really Buddhist, but mundane in the sense it's the kind of thing that could probably help you think better. You know, critical thinking skills, ability to strategize, and that kind of thing. Um, but the biggest problem with video games is, is not the, the violence. The biggest problem, in, in my mind anyway, the biggest problem is, of course, the attachment. It's this, um, it's this pleasure, you know? It's like classical conditioning, or operant conditioning, I can't remember. You, you, you do something, you get what you want, and it makes you pleasure. And so you, 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 know, you keep practicing, you keep playing. The reason we play games is because of these moments of success that give us such a rush. It's really just a chemical addiction. We're addicted to these opioids, or what are they called? The, the chemicals in our brain, we're addicted to them. So we, we've found a way using our computer to stimulate our brains, to stimulate these chemicals, but it's still just chemical. And so it's addictive, and if you know anything about the addiction cycle, it becomes less and less satisfying. And so you're ultimately, you're constantly really met with uh, with dissatisfaction. But I wouldn't worry about, like, I mean, I wouldn't worry too much about it, especially if you're as a lay person. It's not the kind of thing that's going to send you to hell. If you, you, know, you played these games and you killed all these people, is that going to send you to hell? No. No, I mean, at worst, it just keeps you being born. And if, well, at worst, if you really get obsessed, you can be born as a hungry ghost because of the amount, the intense... Uh, addiction but generally speaking it's not the worst i mean we talk about things like sexual activity and and you know entertainment these are not these are not things that stop you from attaining enlightenment they just hinder it they make it slower and more difficult but they're not wrong action in that broader sense of of really blocking you from the practice so killing stealing And cheating, these are things that will block you Playing video games, well, it's not going to help you, certainly Why not mix different Buddhist traditions? Because they teach different things They'll often teach contradictory things That can lead to doubt, confusion It's not to say you don't always it's not about mixing traditions it's about finding the truth if this tradition teaches something that's good and beneficial then, then, then good so it's about finding what's right and true uh, that's not the whole answer that, that's, that's part of it but the other thing is there are different ways to reach the same goal um, but having two different regimens can conflict just in a functional sense Right. Like our, our I follow the Mahasi lineage uh, but if you went to Burma the Mahasi people would say no you don't because, well some might because they're quite sticklers for a very specific way of, of doing this type of meditation and we do it differently so if you if you come to our center you do it this way if you go to the Mahasi center you know, you'll do it a, a, a different way and if you try and do it both ways um, within the Mahasi tradition, not that big of a deal, but um, say if you then went and and went to a center where they did uh, Anapanasati or something like that it um you know it 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 complicates things because you're trying to do it two different ways at once, and I think I would criticize people who like to try different ways. And it's usually, I would argue, because they simply don't want to put out the effort. I mean, they, they, it's hard to put out the effort in one way, so you look for something new that's going to make it easy. And it's just this classical avoidance, which is, of course, very common in spirituality as well as ordinary life. So fi- finding a tradition and sticking to it, or uh, well, sticking to it, is quite different from finding. You can run around and and try all sorts of different ways It's not going to help you And I would argue that it hinders you Yeah, you get lots of different skills From lots of different traditions And people think that's a good thing But you never become a master of any one skill Of hair lost It hurts you I mean, you don't like it. If you don't like it, then you'd say disliking, disliking. Again, I hope you've read my my booklet. If you haven't read my booklet, I would encourage you to read it, because um, it might help you deal with this. But this isn't hurting you. This is a disliking. The hair loss isn't hurting you. What's hurting you is you don't like it, I assume, unless there's something weird, painful that I'm not understanding, in which case it's just pain, and you would say pain, pain. Try to be mindful of it. Okay, so that's all the questions for tonight. Thank you all for tuning in.